Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence, a conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? I've noticed that when family businesses talk about being a lean organization, they're oftentimes a growing organization, too. The plastics and tooling industries are not my bailiwick, but for Robert Schulte, CEO of High Tech Mold and Engineering and Baxter Enterprises, he's quietly but forcefully built a hardworking, world-class organization that spans from Michigan to Tennessee to South Carolina, innovating in plastics and material science. Joining me today from the Winchester, Tennessee operation, please welcome Robert Schulte to Generation Excellence. Take me back to kind of, I guess, what would be the Amtec story? Is that kind of the founding roots or the first brand or first name of, of the organization or the businesses? Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, and, 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 Amtec Mold and Engineering Incorporated. Okay. Established in October of 1982. And, uh, uh, by your father. father. Yeah. Siegfried Schulte and... and uh, my mother, uh, of course, uh, you know, had his side supporting him sure. and started it at age 40. So, you know, is that too old, too young? But, you know, it was, it was interesting because previous company that he worked at prior to starting um, his own business, the family business was a company that was doing well. And uh, he was actually the plant superintendent and they actually gave him, call it a small percentage um, to say, okay, you know, uh, stay and then we can give you uh, whatever it was. It was like less than 5%, something ridiculous low, but uh, he, he was getting a little frustrated, I think, with uh, the other partners that were brought into it. And uh, it was a union facility, nothing wrong with the union, but it was, I want to say, something opposite of, of his work ethic. And you know, he was a born and raised in Germany. Okay. And it was always about, you know, work hard and get the job done and let's not worry about other people, but let's just make things happen. So he had a, a really good uh, attitude with that. And, you know, call it the other folks that were, uh, you know, within that organization, you know, maybe had a, a way to resist working as hard as he did. So uh, nonetheless, he decided at age 40 to go into business on his own. Great. Work started with four people and he was employee number one. And so as he was doing that, where, how old were you? What, what kind of, what was the dinner table conversation like, I guess? The, I mean, what is your, what are your memories of kind of the founding of the business? Yeah, so memories were, I was going to college okay. at that time. I, I started and I was at Northwestern Michigan College up in Traverse City, Michigan. And his uh, thoughts and ideas were to uh, you know, start a company and he was thinking, but nonetheless, I was in college. So I was away from home. And initially I, I went to school to pursue mechanical engineering okay. because that's what he thought would be uh, the best thing. And the only thing uh, to get a degree in would be something of that nature. And then to come, you know, work in the tool and die industry, uh, the plastic injection molds and, and what we designed and built. So, I did start with that initially at the college and um, 
prior to that, I did have a desire to want to be a commercial pilot for a living. That was kind of a thought or a dream. And I know he felt that that was not the right choice. You know, as he said, so, so-called, uh, you really want to be that when you grow up a glorified bus driver. <laughs> so, well, yes, I think I do dad, but long story short, um, after the first term at the college, um, I finally got the the nerve, or let's say the the courage, to approach uh, father and, and and mother was supporting to me, uh, my mother Eva, you know, on that night, and I told dad, I said, you know, I, th- I think I have to make a change in in direction as far as what I'm studying here at school, and that was uh, to, to move from engineering to aviation. So okay, he actually uh, said, okay, that's that's fine. Go ahead and pursue that. So that was. You know, very nice. And then, uh, fast forward two years uh, later, I decided to uh, finish with school. And and at that point in time, he was asking me because he started the business in '82, uh, and that was June of '83 that I was finishing up. And he said, "Do you really want to do that?" And I kind of weighed out the differences of pilot versus the tooling industry joining the family company and I made a decision at that point in time to go full-time with tech molding engineering. So that's, that's the story there. Just you know, looking at the, the opportunities and that was uh, what was out and available back then uh, to get a pilot job was sure. very difficult to find. Uh, you can make more money with two paper routes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Different industry then, right? pre and most different, most definitely. So what, what was your first, you know, what was your first role in, in what was a smaller family business then? Kind of what did you start out doing? Yeah. So previous company that uh, he worked at, that he was employed at, I, I worked summer jobs there. So okay. I had experience and understanding of what was going on in that industry. And I enjoyed it. I, I worked two, three summers, um, you know, starting at age uh, 16, for others, and it was uh, working on a on a lathe, machine lathe, and other uh, equipment, uh, running a, a bandsaw, delivery truck, things of that nature. So that was uh, what I started doing full time at Amtech Mold and Engineering. I was uh, basically, uh, let's say, responsible for, for three, four different things at, at the same time, and it was delivery truck, delivering molds, picking up molds, uh, running the lathe, running the bandsaw, uh, incoming stock and materials, uh, working to a stock <laughs> list. So I was busy, busy, um, six, seven days a week uh, with our company. And that was over in Fraser, Michigan. That was the okay. first location in, in Fraser. And it was, uh, I'm actually employee number nine. I was going to ask that. How many people were there at the time? Okay. Nine. And yeah, I worked uh, on the floor for a, uh, I don't say many a years. I, I tried different areas. Worked in uh, the machining department uh, on a Bridgeport vertical machining center. Uh, back then, nothing was really CNC as far as computer control. Uh, so it was the old, the old way, um, and, and that was really virtually the only way at that time. And, and CNC was coming into play, but it was you know, still infancy stages in our in our industry. But uh, it was one of those work hard. Uh, do whatever we could. Uh, we did a lot of tool repairs and services on existing molds, and it was 
you know, that desire that my, my father had in the company, you know, let's, let's start building, you know, new molds whenever we can. So our, our first call it tool of uh, size was not that big. And uh, that was actually from a company uh, based in Ohio. And that was, I have the picture in the lobby actually down here at our Tennessee location of the first mold that was built with uh, the four employees that were, you know, present at that time. I wasn't there yet. So we worked on establishing with General Motors and other companies, and it was working on larger tools. And then we just grew exponentially and it was a fast growth with an expansion in Fraser uh, as far as brick and mortar. And then come to find out that we were outgrowing our, location in Fraser where we looked at other facilities, uh, a Greenfield site over in Rochester Hills, which is our current headquarters. Got it. And then and, and, and Amtech at that time was serving automo the automotive industry primarily, or I mean, who, like who was the first customer of the business? The first customer of the business was a tier one supplier to the automotive sectors. Okay. We, we would be, you know, the, the support network for, for that company to Got it. do repairs, refurbishments, and, and things of that nature. So it was like a, a greasy, dirty job back then, but <laughs> yeah, we did well with it. And uh, then we just grew, you know, from, from that. So, yeah, majority of all our business was automotive. I'd say less than 10% was non-automotive. Got it. So you shift over to the, the new facility in Rochester, when, when was the the name of the company changed to high tech mold and engineering? What what sort of drove that? So it went from, I mean, I'm an ad marketing brand guy. I got to deal with the names, you know, the logos. The, yeah, so you know, Amtech was called American Technical, and uh, okay. you know, the thought there, and, and then we decided to have a second location in Metro Detroit, hence Rochester Hills, and then we said, well, we want to call it a different name. And I think it was, you know, partially due to, you know, our, our CPA firm saying it's, it's better to have different company names so you can, you uh, know, do things with the books and, 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 and adjust accordingly. So it's just, it was a better thing to have different entities at that time. Got it. So it wasn't just a rebrand of Amtech. It was establishing a new concept. Right. So high tech, which was, you know, considered the, the high technical company, right? high technical mold and engineering, so high tech. And uh, we ran that, we established that back in uh, 1987. Okay. And then we ran with both companies for a while, Amtech as well as high tech, and then understanding that mm, it didn't quite make sense after about a year of that, where we uh, consolidated our efforts, we sold, uh, the building where Amtech was located to a company and we just uh, moved some of our equipment from there and relocated everything and established our one spot in Rochester Hills, Michigan. Got it. Hitech Mold and Engineering. So Amtech Mold uh, no longer exists, uh, but it's all Hitech Mold and Engineering. Okay. So, you know, today as we have grown, we have our Michigan, Tennessee, and South Carolina facility. Yeah, and, and sort of this podcast and celebrating generational businesses and family businesses kind of like to know the roots and the founding and the story of where stuff come came from, but also look out. So you fly flags outside of high tech in Rochester Hills. 
as you moved into that new facility, is there some, because I have not been in there just by it outside, is there some statements or key phrases on the walls or hanging in banners that are kind of like the, the, the motto or mantra of the organization? Well, safety is very important to us. Okay. And, you know, our, our key competencies is, is it will work hard. Uh, that was, that was always one that my father, you know, instilled and, and, uh, you know, on time, the first time, uh, that was always, you know, a good motto and delivery. It's that motto of we're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week to support all of our customers. And that was the big push back in 1982 up until today. And, and it's that full service right. to the plastics industry. And, and so in that journey of companies and businesses, because you mentioned, you know, being down in the South as you would get into South Carolina and into Tennessee. So how did Baxter Enterprises come about, come to be? What's the, as, as the company grew and expanded, what's, where's, how's that explained to kind of listeners how that came about? Sure. Uh, so, you know, as, as things were progressing in the state of Michigan, and then we, we looked at and considered because actually some customers ask, like, you know, automotive is, is kind of moving south and, and okay. right to work states, you know, albeit, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, uh, just to, to name a few. And then we looked at uh, that opportunity, not as much for Baxter at that time, but for high tech. And I, I remember um, it was 1997 that we established our, our location in um in tennessee and it was with the thought my thought i was maybe a little more conservative than my father uh, was to be more of a tool repair and service from a high-tech mold and engineering southeast location so that was the designation which is still in place and we're um, alive and well we have over 60 employees that are servicing uh tools that are in the south so there was that void in the South where, okay, a lot of um, manufacturing companies moved in this direction, the OEMs and the injection molders. At that point, we really didn't have a Baxter established yet. So it was more or less to be a high-tech company in the South to serve large tonnage molds. And what I mean by large tonnage molds, tools the size of fascias, bumpers, anything plastic on your vehicle, uh, the interior instrument panel, substrate that would weigh over 80,000 pounds, uh, the mold itself. So we designed and built a building facility to accommodate those large tools. And that was something that really wasn't present here in the South. A lot of our customers in the South had to move product up to be at Michigan to have support done or repairs done. And that would be a delay in time from a logistics standpoint, just, you know, one way trip via semi truck would be, 10 to 12 hours, so times two. So right there you have two days of downtime before Got you it. do anything to the tools as far as servicing. So the urgency of having it done right away, uh, hence you know our, our desire to say here in Winchester, Tennessee, you know we can be 30 minutes away from your facility and we can pick up that mold. We can work on it, uh, say Friday, we pick it up, we get it back to you depending on the severity of uh, the changes or what needs to be done to the mold. So it was more like a, uh, an emergency room, like a hospital. Like so that, 
Proxi- that proximity and location starts to be in a business that's trying to do things faster and move faster. You're there to serve it. Yeah. So that's uh, where we established, you know, our, our second location of high tech mold and engineering. And then we, we did not have any call it molding machines, uh, injection molding machines. So made that decision to um, expand and have with the start of three injection molding machines, of different sizes, tonnages, to, to try out the molds that we would work on or service and repair. So we offered that to our customer base down here in the South. Okay. And, and they enjoyed that. And then uh, from there, we said, okay, there's uh, time available in these molding machines. Maybe we can do some overflow production work for the tier ones and we would serve as that, as that tier two, tier three molder, and we, we played that for a while, and we grew from three molding machines to the seven to 10, and uh, today we have 26 molding machines. And uh, th- th- that was, hence, you know, we developed a, a company named Baxter Enterprises at or around the year 2000, and uh, that's where Is we're at. Any story to the Baxter, the name Baxter, what's? Good question. Um, the, the Baxter name, so uh, my father and I sat down and, and we said, so what should we call this this molding company? Because we don't want to necessarily have it called high-tech plastics. That would be, a, you know, maybe a potential conflict um, where we would be a competitor to the tools that we service for other custom molders in the region. So we said, let's make it uh, a different name. And then we kind of looked outside the window and said, hmm, well, what street are we on? And I asked my dad, I said, you know, we, maybe we should call it Schulte Mold or something like that. It's like, no, no, or, or he, he, he didn't want that. So I said, well, we're on Baxter Lane. That's the name of the road. And it's like, okay, let's, let's call it Baxter Industries so, Enterprises. So that's what, what we did. After, after the name of the street. And uh, yeah, so the story goes, Baxter is... This used to be all farmland back years ago, and the Baxter family owned it. It was a lot of cotton fields and things of that nature. So um, still today, um, I communicate with the Baxter brothers. Uh, there's one nice. still in existence. And uh, yeah, we, we brought them in here to say, okay, this is your company because we named it after your yeah, yeah. family. Yeah, great. It's from your, the, yeah, that's, I did an interview recently with a, a group, a family, fourth generation farm in Northern Michigan but the road they're on wasn't named after them, but they've been there so long, then they renamed the road after the family because that's the farm. So it can go both ways, I guess. Well, it did for the Baxters. All right, well, that, I, I, that's, that's, see, so yeah, I mean, I'm still learning and, and, and knowing things every day. As, as we sit here, and, and you know, this, is, this, this podcast are trying to be more timeless kind of principles of generational businesses, but we're sitting and, you know, there's a pandemic and all kinds of things going on and globally. But your company's grown consistently over decades and, and continue to improve. So what are you, what are you, what's like, what are you looking out at in the future? What are you excited about kind of whatever the next milestone is five years from now, 10 years from now? I see us uh, in five years from now to be that provider of, I want to say, High volume, uh, which is what we currently produce for companies like BMW and Volkswagen, mm-hmm. our production parts at Baxter, and with the tooling, uh, just being that 
full service supplier under one roof, the, the high tech company with the tooling, the design, the engineering, as well as the manufacturing with Baxter, all a family business, uh, minimal red tape. So we're very nimble and swift and quick to market. And what I mean by that is what we're seeing in the automotive sector, and we're working in other areas as well with aerospace or non-automotive heavy truck. But looking at what we have in the future is there's going to be niche vehicles, low volume electric cars. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Okay. Ford Motor Company and whatnot. So some of the big behemoth uh, tier one molders, they might not have that ability to say, okay, we can do something that's a, a lower volume. I see. To market. So what we as a Schulte Control Group, as our companies, operating companies, High Tech and Baxter, we can engineer it, design it, build those molds within a month if we need to six weeks, get to market, start molding the product internally, packaging and sending it right to the assembly plant. So maybe the company might not be interested in a volume of 10,000 units a year to where we would be a real good fit for that because of our design and our setup. So the things that you're designing in our setup are you're providing into the chain of manufacturing for vehicles that are being produced now, right? But also, like, how far, how much into the future are you getting designs or requests to be set up to produce things that are coming in the, you know, in sort of the, I guess, the automotive pipeline? Yeah, so to give you an example, I, I'm sure you've probably seen something out in publications about the Ford Bronco. Yep. I like so, the look of that thing. Is, as far as, you know, the, the look of that and what's happening there. So we actually started building and designing the tooling to accommodate plastic parts and components for that particular vehicle. And that started over a year, okay, year and a half ago. And that's with concept, some design supporting the customer in that degree, and then coming to a realization to where we have designed and built the production molds. Are we molding the parts? No, but we were the tool builders of uh, several parts sure. for the interior trim of that vehicle. Well, so a lot of security and confidentiality to what you're doing to keep those kinds of things controlled until they're ready to have the public see and know, correct? Yes. Yeah. That, that new Bronco, it looks like a vehicle. I mean, it's well time. It looks like a vehicle that can like survive an apocalypse. It's just got a sort of a beefiness to it. I, I like it. I haven't seen it in person yet. I've just seen yeah. the images from the, from the announcement and the launch. Uh, I mean, you've had constant or continuous improvement as sort of part of your your company from its earliest days and that, that approach. What are you all working on improving or are you yourself working on improving right now? So uh, I would say more in the mass production and the manufacturing, even in, in, in the tooling, but accountability and okay. procedures set in place and to ensure that we follow those set procedures. Uh, this kind of goes back to you know, my schooling in, in aviation is, is working to a checklist. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we fly, we utilize a checklist to make sure that we're doing things correctly all the time, every time. So I have put a lot of that stress or stressing those factors at the workplace to say a set of work instructions to make sure that we follow to it and that we adhere to the policies. And if we do all these things day in and day out, we will be successful. Great. 
So you 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 mentioned procedure. I mean, you 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 mentioned that you know fork in the road and choosing sort of the aviation world versus this engineering and design manufacturing family business. But somewhere along there, you did get and become a licensed pilot and licensee pilot. So and 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 you you fly and 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 you enjoy that and learn from that. When when did that when did that happen? As you were in a business that's 24 seven, you're working to serve those customers and you find, I'm just fascinated by how you found the time to do that and, 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 and get so skilled in that craft. Yeah. Good question. So, um, you know, back in the early eighties when I was going to school and college, that's, that's uh, the, what I received the ratings and. Oh, so you're already, so you already got the ratings at that level in college. Okay. Yeah, yes. And then, um, you know, the associate's degree in, in aviation. So, I was able to take those tools and maybe apply it towards, you know, the engineering field and working mm. in a family business. But um, going back, I, I remember parents saying, you know, if we do well at the company, maybe we can consider, you know, having something of um, an airplane in, in our future to be utilized for the company. So it was at or around 1985 that we were able to um, achieve that goal. And uh, we had call it our first company airplane. Uh, that serviced and uh, supported our needs and desires. And fast forwarding today, um, currently active and flying, and I'm one of the crew members in our corporate aircraft that takes us between multiple locations. Right. Moving key personnel, be it uh, sales, engineering, and others within our family, we're headquartered in Rochester Hills, but we fly frequently down to our facility in Southern Tennessee, as well as over in South Carolina to better serve. So it's basically a triangle effect to where it could be sure. three days of activity between um, those two Southern locations and then back to Michigan. And you've got now a daughter who is also received her piloting license. Is that correct? Yes. Um, less than two weeks ago, she received her private pilot's rating. So she's the official second generation or second person in our entire family tree going back from a hundred years ago that ever had an interest in aviation. And that was the first one. A lot of family members wondered where, where I had that desire or why I wanted to do that. And, and but also then a son who's involved in the business, correct? It would, would be third generation. Right. Yep. Uh, third generation is active. And uh, I mean, talk about, so, you know, his entry, I guess, what, what kinds of advice did you give him at the earliest days of his joining the company and, and you know, what kind of conversations have continued since then? Yeah, my recommendations uh, to... Uh, I like that, recommendations versus advice. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, his name is Robert James II. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he, he has a quality role and he, he's based uh, primarily out of our South Carolina facility, but just to really understand and listen and, and work uh, with the folks, communicate and understand what you have, you know, in front of you and just realize that, you know, it's not all going to happen at once and it's baby steps to get you to the next level. And uh, he, he's, a, he's a good kid. He's, he's not asking for, Hey, when am I going to be the president of the company? Nor, and we want to make sure as a family, you know, as, as we move from one generation to another that we don't just, deem somebody as, you know, the president of the company when maybe he or she is, is not capable. I mean, family businesses can be 
it can be tough. And uh, and he's been with the, the company for about three three years now. Great. And very well. And it's just, I don't involve myself much with uh, his daily operations. It's best to have other person people mm -hmm. and it, it, it works well. So he, he's supporting not only our South Carolina facility, but also uh, Tennessee and Michigan he's, he's been to. So he's learning, you know, all facets of, of what's going on. But what I recommend to him is to get him on a path where, you know, he'll, um, educate, learn, and understand in certain uh, departments, and then move Touch on to different them. parts of the business and exposure, yeah, like you had in the early days. Yeah, and actually, the, the part that I enjoyed the most, it's not like I had a hankering to move into the front office, but I enjoyed working on tools on the floor. Sure. It was a fun time, and it was a great you know, experience. And I think after about 11, 12 years into that, my father said, you know, you have to kind of give that piece up, and let's move into some other areas. So that's kind of where that magically happened. And, and the learning goes both ways. I mean, is there anything over those three years since your son joined that, you know, you've kind of gleaned from him or insights he's had or, uh, you know, something that you're seeing through his eyes? Uh, that younger generation, you know, where he understands what's going on and it's more the people mm -hmm. relationships and uh, him being out there is, is very positive effect on on the rest of the, the team that's that's surrounding him. So he, he's data driven uh, more than I am. So he, he understands that's it. And you know, prior to his uh, level of experience was in political science. That's what his major is in. And he worked in that sector for a couple years prior to joining the family business, which is good too because it gave him some experience on the outside. And also yep. public relations was uh, his, his other uh, major that he specialized in. So he, he's doing very well. Great. What, tell, tell me something as, as a family business that you all are dealing with or even wrestling with right now. I would say there's nothing that's a challenge to be concerned with. I'm, I'm very happy with our setup, our layout, our our president, our COO is, is non-family. And, and as I stress to, you know, the entire group of employees that we have here amongst all three locations, you know, over 500 employees that, you know, you don't have to be a Schulte to be in a position here at the company. That's nice. There's opportunity for opportunity. family or it's a big family business, but there's opportunity for people. Yeah, exactly. In our big family business, I mean, it's only three people that are working in the company with the, with the same last name. Got it. And I mean, how would you describe how you make decisions as a, a an organization that you saw as, as employee number nine, that's now 500 plus people. I mean, you know, thinking, thinking things through at that scale. I mean, check, you talk about the checklist, so that's going to enter into decision process, but mm -hmm. how would you characterize how you make decisions? Uh, we make decisions now, you know, based on award of business and, you know, call it large programs. Uh, I want to say more specifically of why we developed our South Carolina operations because we had um, the award of business from our OEM. With that respect, then it made sense to establish that location and start that operation. And we also have a high tech company that's located there to serve um, the companies in the Carolinas for tool repair and service. 
But, you know, that being said, prior to, you know, it was build a church, hope they come. Uh, you know, that's how it was in, in, in Michigan and in uh, Tennessee, the same thing held true. But our decision for third location was, was based on, call it orders and guarantee of business. And, um, you know, as we move forward, you know, I, I would look at that, you know, prior to opening something up 57 years young. But um, I'm probably a little more conservative, conservative as compared to my father. Got it. And then is, well, I think, and it, it, the gen is, you know, the generations take over a business and make their own mark. They, you know, they have their own style and whatever. Was that a pretty early process from your father to you? I mean, he's the founder, the creator. He started, as you said, at a, old, not a 40s and older age, but older than the, you know, poster of the 20 something entrepreneur. Uh, was that a pretty smooth process of you sort of taking over and running the business? Yes, it was. I mean, there was, you know, times where it was, I don't know, I can say, you know, school of hard knocks or maybe his opinion <laughs> a little different than, than, uh, you know, where I was, you know, thinking to go just because we, you know, we, we, we had some, you know, call it challenging years uh, in Tennessee, just because we grew uh, exponentially and it was like three expansions and, and there was some activities going on that were like, wow, okay, this is, this is something that we have to really go after and, and maintain to, uh, to exist. So, you know, with that, it was, it was a good, it was a good mix, uh, you know, between generation one and generation two to where, you know, I would recommend something maybe not as aggressive and, and it was understood. So, you know, as time went on and as uh, they, generation one grew older, it was, I want to say a good, a good transition to where uh, myself and, and my team, my panel of experts that work for me, um, we're making good decisions and here we are today. It's an excellent point you make. And, and one face as I talk to more and more of businesses that have been able to go through generations of oftentimes a difficult period or whatever is very strong growth and, and accelerated growth and, and the pains that come from that, not necessarily anything that's like a disaster or a major problem. But, Along the decades, and you've been involved, there, there has to be some story of something that went kind of off the rails a little bit. Or, I mean, is there a famous mistake or a, a famous uh, issue, I guess, in, in the history of high tech and Baxter? I'd say probably a, um, a mistake, something that we should have looked at, uh, you know, with more of a contractual agreement uh, with said customer was, uh, you know, the development of, uh, not our molding operation, in, uh, but more or less uh, we, we had secondary applications, i.e. Uh, a paint line that we developed to uh, uh. not only mold product, but to also uh, paint uh, the finished goods, and then we would ship to the, the end user. And that, that was a big chunk uh, that my father bit off, and it was just on the, on the notion that we would have that business, and it would be you know, a guarantee, and then that business actually went uh, to Mexico, and there was a you know change in the product line. It was not automotive, and that, that was probably call it a mistake to say, okay, now now we we had this pretty nice paint line facility, and it's not being utilized. So what I do we see. Do? So yeah, that was kind of a lessons learned. Mm -hmm. 
And, right. and that, I mean, what, what's been, I mean, there's a pride with continuing and growing and, and leading a, a, a generational business. What's been the most fulfilling thing for you about that? Walking out on the floor, being with the employees, and then, you know, just working with them lock and step. Uh, that's what I'm doing today here in Tennessee. That's where I'm located right now. And I've been here for the past four days. And it's just nice, nice to see uh, the encouraged uh, activity and, and smiling faces. And just to know that, you know, we're able to provide them, you know, a paycheck, yeah. you know, food at the table. And it's something that I just want to continue as far as that second generation, a company that is successful. And that again, you know, customers, suppliers, all the above are, are happy to be a part of our company family, be it high tech or, or Baxter and to be able to wake up in the morning and look myself in the mirror to say, you know, I'm here to provide, you know, something good and positive. And it's not just about making money, but to be a patron in, in today's environment, just to better serve people. So what wonderful sentiment. Is there, I kind of covered the list of questions, moved around a bit in the, in the past, present, future, look at things, but anything that I forgot to ask you about or touch on as you think, as you reflect on uh, this, this business, the businesses that you, that you have in lead? No, what we look at now is uh, diversification. Um, I touched on that a little earlier, but you know, some of the medical, you know, as, as things may be in result of what's going on and serving other industries beyond being so automotive. Connected, yeah. yeah. Just to, to, to back shore to bring things, you know, back to the United States. I mean, China was a big, you know, push by, you know, called purchasing agents from uh, the customer base that we dealt with. And I think we could potentially see, you know, most of that or some of that coming back, you know, be it Great. In design and manufacture of the tooling. Um, you know, if it's medical aspects that we consider aerospace, non-automotive, military, uh, we're looking into that as well. So just to have a, a real good portfolio. And, and what I don't want to do is 30 things half okay, but I'd rather do mm -hmm. 10 things great. And just to kind of minimize and make sure that we you know, take good measurements as we move forward because... Uh, you know, if it's just one or two customers that you have, that's that's not a healthy thing, of course. Not that we are that. We have good diversification, but, you know, a lot of it has to do with automotive sector. But uh, we're, we're doing good, and we have some sales uh, folks in place to support those, call it non-automotive applications. Well, Robert Schulte, I, I thank you for literally flying with me through Amtech to high-tech, mold and engineering to Baxter Enterprises and, and what is going to be a continuing generational family business story. I thank you for sharing it with Generation Excellence. By age, you, me, we are in Gen X, which is part of the concept of generational excellence. And uh, I look forward to seeing when, you, when you've flown back up to her neck of the woods. Thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld at SMZ for helping make Generation Excellence, well, excellent. Until next time, I'm Jamie Michelson.